there, everybody. Welcome back to the Lincoln Law Pod, the podcast dedicated to the Lincoln Lawyer series on Netflix. Tracy here, and I have Pete P.I. with me. What's up, Pete? Pete, and only Pete, because Jay doesn't have the gall to show up anymore. <laughs> Judge Jay's going to get this bar. Like, let's, he, we should I, vote. He must have let's a vote. really full docket because, yeah, he's a... Uh, Listen, I get it. I get it. But you know me. I like to bring our viewers in, and I like to you know punish Jay with our viewers. So, guys, <laughs> I say we have another Twitter vote. Should Judge Jay be disbarred, yes or no? What do you think, Tracy? Maybe. We could throw it out there. We could throw it out there. Let's see what the people have to say. Let the people vote. We are on to... <laughs> episode seven and it's titled lemming number seven so that's interesting episode seven lemming number seven and stay tuned we have more show notes from showrunner ted humphrey to talk about specifically about this episode so yes let me just jump in here with nothing nothing to do with the lincoln lawyer but this is the first thing i thought when i put on the episode i always look at the title because i know you're going to discuss it first thing i thought was you know number seven lemon number seven lucky number seven (laughs) <laughs> the movie Lucky Number Seven, because I don't know if you ever seen that movie. Uh-uh, no. But if, if you guys have seen that movie, it's basically there's something called the Kansas City Shuffle, which is kind of like a, a twist and a trick where every you everybody thinks you go right, but you really go left. Okay. And they don't catch you. Okay. You know. Um. And I mean, just because of like that saying in the movie, and then this is episode seven. By the time I'm halfway through the episode, and I see all these little twists and turns, I'm like, there's a bunch of Kansas City Shuffles in this episode. Yeah. I'm like, this is yeah. Great. So no. for those viewers who have seen the movie Lucky Number 11, Kansas City Shuffle all day long in this in this episode. You're going to see a lot of it. Okay. All right. Well, let's just jump in. This is trial day, trial day number one. They're headed into trial. Mickey has asked Maggie to be there and to bring Haley. They're both there. Lorna's there. Cisco is not there. Uh, but Cisco has been busy doing some research. So, Pete, do you want to talk about what's going on in trial day one? Or do you want to talk about what Cisco's researching first? Cisco, I feel like this was a bad episode for him. He was put in a lot of bad situations, doing bad things. And I just kind of felt like, you know, we deserve better with Cisco personally. But mm-hmm. you can't have every episode be a home run. You know, you have to show dark sides of characters. He was doing some sketchy stuff. He made yeah. some sketchy comments to Mickey. You yeah. know, when Mickey's like, you can do something to get you in trouble. He goes, who do you want me to kill? Yeah, I know. That's Listen, that was the coolest, most scariest thing I've ever heard somebody say ever, because I'm thinking to myself, like, wow, he's serious. It's super scary, but it's like, wow, you are really loyal to Mickey, like, you know, to say something like that. And then but later yeah. on, he's, you know, he's he's tampering himself, kind of. And, yeah. You know, and then, you know, that he has the best line of, the, of the, the whole show so far, the whole series, when, what what's the daughter's name? Haley. She asks him, uh, Haley oh, goes, yeah. what, do, what do I call you? What yeah, he you? goes, I'm the dad that you call when you want somebody's legs broken. Once again, one of the coolest, most scariest, like he has the best yeah. one-liners in the show, but like, I don't know if this guy's like a big teddy bear or a psychopath. I'm still trying to figure it out, but yeah. I love him. Yeah, it's like, is he straddling the, you know, the two sides there? Who knows? Because you know, he's got this life before being Mickey's investigator with the road yes. saints and he even brings them up. And just to yes. kind of bring it full circle, you know, we're, we're talking about the conversation when Cisco comes over to Mickey's house the night before day one of the trial. And Mickey says he has something serious to talk to him about. And he tells him about the bribed juror and he wants him to dig up information, you know, and then it sets up all these dilemmas. Well, he could, he should not be investigating a juror. But then Cisco also points out, but you didn't pay for this bribe. You didn't commit this crime. 
But then Mickey comes back with, well, I will be participating in a crime if this juror stays and they deliberate, you know, so it's like you're in between a rock and a hard place. You're, he's just stuck, you know. So he's, he's asking Cisco to go find out what he can to basically follow this juror, which he does after um, trial, uh, day one of the trial, he follows him home and ends up doing some dumpster diving, going through his garbage to, to get some more information. But yeah, that is, that's what we have going on the night before the trial. And it's, so it's, yeah, it's pretty scary and some surprising comments but he is loyal to Mickey and he's going to do what he can to find out about this guy. So they go in with day one, they go in with their tunnel vision approach, right? That was, that was the, his only defense. Yeah. That's the yeah. only thing he came up with. He never found the magic bullet, right? He's still right. looking for that. Yeah. So still looking for that. So they've, you know, his, his things he has bringing up are where's the gun because, well, let's step back for a second. They both get to have their opening statement and Mickey points out to Izzy in one of these, conversations in the car Hold on, can not- we talk, can we discuss that for a second sure um, that ahead. was in my notes actually yeah i think the the way the episodes for lincoln lawyer are written with mm-hmm. that scenario those kind of scenarios are genius because yeah. he's explaining something and he's got your attention in the car mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. flashback or whatever it is that the show and you because he's all lit up glowing yeah and then, and then after after he explains the dilemma of what, uh, whatever he's teaching her mm-hmm. all of a sudden now it goes to the scene and, and then the thing happens yeah. and you're like, I know what to expect here. And I'm watching it. And it's even more genius because it doesn't lose. It doesn't confuse the viewers. So right. great job. You do great not confuse there. us with this, with this very um, sophisticated educational chess playing type of deal. You break it down perfectly. So yeah. I give kudos to that, to the writers. I agree. Definitely. I, I definitely concur because if you're not a legal expert or an attorney and don't know all this stuff, you kind of turn around you're like, Hey, just learn something, you know, because you're watching, you're being entertained, but wait, I just learned something there, you know, and then it helped you to understand. Not even that, out. you know, what else happens here in this episode? I'm not sure about every other episode because I haven't looked at it from this perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this is show is so good that you can jump in on any episode and mm-hmm. you can, you can be, you can understand what's going on. Like if I wanted somebody to watch Lincoln lawyer and see if they like it or not based on one episode, Mm-hmm. Probably in episode number seven would be the one that I pick. And that's not even my favorite episode. Mm-hmm. The jury selection was my favorite episode. But yeah. mm-hmm. if I had exp- if I wanted to show somebody in yeah. the most the best way, this would be the best way to um, encourage new audiences. Show them yeah, episode seven because yeah. it's just it's so simplified. It takes something so complicated and simplifies it so much that it's just it, it, it's going to catch every kind of viewer from all ages. Well, yeah, and it does. This episode does end up hitting a lot of different storylines. It is the beginning of the trial. So it's not the buildup. It's you're already there and the action is happening. And yeah, no, that's an interesting point. So yeah, they go with that. um, They're going to go with that tunnel vision theory, but he's telling Izzy in the car about the proving grounds where they get to, that's the area where you get to stand in front of the juror and make your opening statements. And it's always fun. We learn more and more each episode, how Mickey's approach to the law and to defense is so nuanced because he talks about how the the prosecutor might be up there just going through a lot of detail, setting up, trying to set up facts and what they're going to show and this whole like presentation 
Whereas Mickey says he wants to get up there, not tell everything, leave some things left, you know, for people to wonder about. You want to kind of have some questions to be watching for and to give a few punches and, and things to like get them thinking, but not give them the whole story. And then, of course, like you said, that's what we see when they do their opening statements. Golance goes on, you know, for a while. And then Mickey even makes a joke about, hey, do the you know, jurors need to stretch their legs or whatever, yeah. because he's been talking a while. But he gets up there and gives a more, like I said, nuanced approach and just hits some high points, gets some thinking about well, some things, and they move on. This is what I see is going on in the courtroom based on what I saw from the opening statements. Mm-hmm. The prosecutor is selling evidence and a story. Mickey, the defense, is selling himself. Good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I got because you've seen their personalities come out and we all know that Mickey's personality is colorful where mm-hmm. the prosecutor's personality is kind of bland and simple. Right. Yeah. They, you want the juror to like, you want them to like the defendant too, but you really, you know, you want them, you have, probably have a better chance maybe of them liking you as the defense attorney and trusting you and uh, having if a good If they trust you, you. Yeah. and you're defending this guy, maybe he's not guilty because yeah. why would you trust, well, I would trust you. Right. You know, as a, as a defender because the defense attorney, because you, you know, you broke my guard. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe you're just a good guy and you're defending this guy because you're righteous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not just because you're trying to be a snake. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I got you. Yeah, because Golance goes in with his facts, how they're going to prove it. It's common sense. He's just laying out, like, again, a presentation, you know, almost like you got your PowerPoint or something. But Mickey comes in with the personality and points out all the things that are missing. You know, where's the gun? Why haven't you looked at John Reels being the target? instead of Laura Elliott, you know, have you, why didn't you look into this Anton Shavar who had a restraining order filed at him? He, he gets the opportunity. He, he gets to point out the flaws yes. and the missing pieces. So, and we see at the end of day one, Trevor Elliott is pleased. He, you know, he even says as much to Mickey that, you know, he thinks he's doing a good job. So that's, you know, that's day one. Things seem to be going well. Meanwhile, you got Cisco doing this dumpster dive, getting the information. He comes back with that information to Mickey. And sure enough, yes, Juror 7 is not who he says he is. And I think he even, does he know at that point that he's had a record? I can't remember all the things he uncovered. No, he him. just knew that his name and where he's supposed to work at and where he's from. And yes, he was some, he did something. Um, yeah, he, I mean, Cisco tells him pretty much everything. I do believe he tells him about everything. Yeah. And then he also has done some research on this Sergei Kosovich and points out all his like Russian mafia connections and that that's a scary situation yes. as well. So, okay, what are you going to do with all he this? He even gives him the dad talk. Cisco gives him the dad yeah. talk. <laughs> yeah. like, Listen, man, if this guy's willing to do this to this guy, what is he willing to do to you and your family? Yeah. Like, you need to consider this, like maybe back off. I don't know whatever it is he wants. Maybe just give it to him. Right. So he gives him the whole dad talk where it basically just, you know, watch yourself. Yeah. Yeah. The next day they go in and nobody's there. Right. So yeah. It's like empty courtroom and they're, you know, they're sitting there and Mickey's cracking a joke about a, a directed verdict and stuff. But eventually the bailiff comes out and says that Judge Stanton is calling them into chambers. And what do you know? There's been an anonymous note. Hmm, wonder who wrote that that about the juror not being who they say they are. Well, that and, goes back to the previous scene where he said that you can 
So if you know your, your client's about to commit a crime, if you can stop or something, it. if you can stop it, then you don't have to report it. But if you can't, you know, if it happened already, then you have to report it. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was his chess game move, the Kansas City mm-hmm. Shuffle. The Kansas City Shuffle. There's one of them. There you go. So yeah, Judge Stanton's like, you know, I think maybe there should be a mistrial. This, you know, this juror is not who they say they are. And not even that, he didn't show up that day, the juror. So Where there's something, he? yeah, there's something bigger going on. It's not like, hey, buddy, you're busted. You got caught. He got caught and he's not there. So who tipped him off? You know, what's the bigger story there? But, you know, Mickey's like, I, you know, they both claim they have nothing to do with it. You know, and even though the judge points out that it would probably be in the defense's favor, this type of situation with a bribe juror. But Mickey's like, no, you know, I don't. He says, I don't want a mistrial, but that would look negative against my, my client. You know, I want to proceed. And go Lance with his, you know, his big head and thinking he's got it all wrapped up says I can win with any jury. So he wants to proceed. So that's what they're going to do. But they can't do it today. They're just going to pick things up again the next day. And then you have a very unhappy Trevor Elliott. You remember the scene in the elevator? Well, yeah, he almost blew up in the courtroom or whatever. Yeah, to, yeah. Like, what? You did this, didn't you? Yeah, it's you. <laughs> he's like, yeah. He's like, slow down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Slow let's go roll, discuss buddy. this privately. Yeah, let's not incriminate ourselves in the courtroom. <laughs> and if you're trying to weigh whether you think Trevor did this or not, look at this explosive behavior. You know, it's he, he's raising a lot of red flags. If you're team Trevor thinking that he's innocent, you know, we're not saying it. I don't think, point, but I don't think many people are team Trevor out there. I don't crazy. think so either. I don't think um, so. But but to play devil's advocate, because that's what we do here, I still have not seen significance. He's still innocent until proven guilty. Right, right. So, and I don't see, I don't see enough evidence. I just see, I see, I don't see physical evidence. I right. see words and I see emotions and I see things that not everybody's supposed to see at different times. So, I mean, you know, we know, I'm just saying as an outside perspective, if I'm in this world and I'm an, I'm, you know, a Jorah or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't have no, I don't have enough evidence yet, personally. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't think we do. So. I don't think we do if you, yeah. But I don't think anybody's Team Trevor, and I think he totally did it. I just don't know how. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. Although you have, you've got to have those people out there that want it, want him to be innocent because it would be a good twist. Like, how could they make him innocent? You know, how could they? So I think you've got some that they're not, not necessarily really Team Trevor. How, however, Tracy, this all goes back to me not reading books. <laughs> and me just thinking that Lincoln lawyer is a hotshot lawyer who's just dirty schemer. So if you would have started with episode one and said, this guy's guilty, but Mickey's going to talk him out of it. And it's going to mm-hmm. be some slide, some slide, dirty, scummy stuff. And he's mm-hmm. going to do it. And, and this and that sliver through, I would say probably. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now that I've watched it and watched the character Mickey develop, I understand that he's not the, the guy that the impression I had going into it. Right. Based on right. reputation of like books and the movie and, so on and so on. So yeah. Well, I'm you know even I mean? a, I'm even a person who who when I read books, I still kind of hope sometimes that the, the show, the movie, whatever, will switch things up. So I'm always got that in the back of my mind that it might not go the same way. So all that to be saying, some listen, we don't know think- for a fact. This is all opinion. <laughs> I just think that the opinion of ninety percent of the people who watch Lincoln Lawyer and are on episode seven have not watched eight, nine, or ten yet. Mm-hmm. All believe the same thing. Yeah, he, this guy's guilty. We just don't know how. And he's not—he's not a likable guy. I mean, he's just not. He's you know. Yeah, he's kind of a jerk. Yeah, he's kind of a jerk. He's very vain, uh, very egotistical. 
um yeah there's a lot we could go we could make a list of things yeah let's we don't like skip about him. him yeah let's skip him <laughs> <laughs> well a couple other things that come out of the the court case is that carol is there carol dubois from the insurance agency and you know they they even did i think at the beginning of the episode when they sort of recap from other episodes she has told cisco before that carol makes her uncomfortable she can't put her finger on it but it makes her uncomfortable but she's the lady from the insurance agency that wrote uh $25 not $25 that wouldn't be so bad <laughs> $25,000 check um to Jan Reels for his yoga retreat and uh she's you know fond of him and is she says she's there to support him and to see that justice is brought um for her friend dying and but she also sort of you know personally attacks not physically but you know with words Lorna in the ladies room you know she's like you know how could you you know how can you be supporting this guy or working to defend this guy and everything and all of it added together just makes lauren uncomfortable and she wants to get out of there so when maggie's talking to mickey out in the hallway as she takes this opportunity super quickly she hears that Haley needs a ride um yeah soccer practice yeah. <laughs> she jumps all of a sudden she's soccer mom yeah 2. 0. yeah 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 she's ready to do that and that's a, that's a fun uh, exchange when we go on the soccer field because Haley's having some trouble with some of the other girls on the team that are being very critical of her dad defending Trevor. And there's some little, even a little physical skirmishes there on the field. And uh, Lauren is not going to have it. She jumps in, separates them, dresses them down, talks to them. You know, you can't be doing this. You apologize. You apologize. And it, it, she's pretty spunky in that scene. I liked it. And um, then on the, the way home, dropped to take Haley back to Mickey's house for the evening. Um, she gives, she helps Haley. She gives her some good insights about what her dad does versus what her mom does and how they both are doing admirable things, how Mickey's trying to find that one person that really, you know, is innocent because everybody deserves, you know, a chance and a defense. And, you know, she calls Maggie a hero and it just the way she talks about it makes a lot of sense to Haley. You know what? Let me jump in here quick. Um, Go ahead. So her episode was the exact opposite of Cisco's for me. And it's yeah. funny because they're in a yeah. relationship because yeah. her she had like she had a, a, a very minor role, but they were all like good, fun loving, yeah. honest scenes. You know, she's mm -hmm. going back to school, she's right. being a mom, she's giving good advice, she's doing all these good things. You know, being yeah. a good person, and Cisco's just doing all this bad, dirty stuff, and I'm like, yeah, you know, it's just, it's just funny how they, how ironic it is that yeah. they're like in this episode. The no, one we yeah. had, like, one was you know colorful and one was dark, you know. Yeah, you could say that she was kind of a foil to to Cisco in this episode because yeah, she was very helpful to Haley. She's like, wow, you just make it make sense, you know, and you should be a lawyer, and that just starts encouraging her to yeah, like you said, to go yeah. back to law school. She. Lorna tells Cisco while he's in the dumpster looking through the garbage. Well, that, by uh, the way, can I just speak on this as somebody who grew up in a neighborhood that's that's not so nice? Um, when you're in a garbage can spying on drawers and investigating yeah. things, turn yeah. your freaking cell phone off. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Why is your cell phone on? You should even have it with you. <laughs> Tips from Pete. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. listen, if you're going to go dive in a dumpster and investigate somebody in the house, leave your cell phone yeah. in the car at home. Yeah, or turn it off, call her back. You don't have to take the call. You know, I guess that's how dedicated he is to Lorna, taking the call in the middle of the dumpster. Well, it almost got him arrested. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. That's crazy. So, 
Um, well, let's shift gears and talk about uh, Maggie, what she's got going on. You know, her witness has been killed. She believes that Angelo Soto, the who's accused of human trafficking, that he had either killed the witness or had the witness killed. And they, she working with Detective Langford have managed to get Tanya Cruz, his girlfriend, to agree to, uh, you know, testify against him. And so they need, you know, she's going to inform, be an you know, informant, whatever, provide information for them. But this and, poor girl, Tracy, this poor girl, I don't see a good ending for her. It's, it looks dicey. Yeah. Yeah. I feel it like, just, I feel like if, if somebody's going to, if somebody is going to um die in this season in this show, I'm, I'm going to vote for her. She's the yeah. one that can vote off the island first because she's just doing all kinds of bad things. And I feel like Maggie's in a bad spot and the kind of, pressuring her into doing these things and yeah and you know, it's we a call, very we call yeah we call it's strong very emotional arm. yeah strong army yeah it's and a it, strong arm she's strong arming her through it and um this poor girl's gonna get killed this guy's a deadly killer he's a hitman yeah 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 he's a and scary he's not guy stupid. no no and and she's her her reasons for participating are very emotional she's pregnant you know That's and she I'm wants to protect this. her baby so it's like okay are you you know are you going to be able to She's Stay probably home. better off protecting her baby by sticking with Soto and saying, let's leave the country. I know. I hear you. I hear I'm just you. saying he's a terrible guy and probably not a good husband. But, you know, it's. Yeah. Well, they sh they show up. Uh, they follow them to their OBGYN appointment and Tanya and Soto go inside, sign in. He sits down, look at them, his phone, magazine, something. She gets the, the uh, key to go to the restroom. And in there is Maggie. That's where they've decided to meet. And she wants to find out what she knows. And it's, uh, you feel like there can't be that much time. You know, you're feeling that already. And she's trying it took to- took way too long in that bathroom. <laughs> Listen, they took way too long in that bathroom. I would have been, if I was Soto, I would have been in that bathroom in half the amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. So Soto, yeah, we know does end up, you know, following her to the restroom to see what's going on. But yeah, during the exchange, you know, she finds out some key facts that Tanya believes that Soto had one of her friends killed, a friend that was came over, the same, I guess, around the same time she did and was working for Soto. And this girl checked with an immigration lawyer, tried to find out what her rights were. You know, she's basically trying to get a better situation, but it's putting him at Soto at risk. And so Tanya's very fearful for her friend, but she's like, yeah, he didn't he didn't get angry. And that's almost really scarier when someone doesn't get angry, you know, something is uh, like up and she takes her to, uh, she, he has her drive him to a flower shop that night. She says he spends about 30 minutes, comes out with flowers for her, but the next day her friend is gone. So that, yeah, that doesn't look good. Um, she believes that, you know, he had her killed and um, he, she tells Maggie the name of the flower shop so they're gonna you know investigate further but all of this you know i just said it in a you know 30 seconds it's a, a lot of it, it takes longer in the restroom so yeah it's making me nervous and then when you see soto pick up a key to the women's restroom and go down there it's 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 very stressful to me i don't know if i'm just easily manipulated <laughs> you know that's what they, they want you to be stressed of course about this situation i, I wasn't stressed because I'm thinking, I think about things realistically sometimes, even okay. though it's a TV show, which is wrong of me. Um, <laughs> so I'm thinking to myself, like, so either there's no way she's going to be in the bathroom, they're just building up suspense to, to trick yeah. you, or, or he's going to open up the door 
She's gonna be there with the with Maggie. But the guy in the car aren't these like Lang- law enforcement the, agents? Yeah, Langford is the detective, and so law enforcement. Yeah, so if something if this guy would have saw Maggie and flipped out, she's being recorded. Langford would have ran in. That's true. And it would have got dissolved, and they probably would have made the girl disappear, and there would have been no case, and that you know it. It would have complicated it though. I mean, so I'm just I saying it, it would have been over, and nobody would have got phys- seriously hurt. I physically point. hurt. You're right. If she with the with the wire she was wearing that Maggie was wearing. He could have, yeah, you would assume that Langford could get there in time to protect her physically. But then that yeah, would and if, and if another sees the wire or she identifies herself. So Toto's just going to run away before he, the rest of them get there because he, then he knows that they're outside. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. So he would that's disappear. They, that's what, so I wasn't worried about anybody getting hurt in this scene. Okay. Okay. It was more like, okay, oh, snap. Because if to go both those directions it changes the whole rest of the season for those characters in that scene well, yeah yeah so yeah. so i'm sitting there saying is this gonna watch what character trail are they gonna go right the fork in the road which way they're gonna go and they you know she went back in the car and was talking to langford and you know Toto did his check he, he slammed the door as hard as he could in case somebody was behind the door they would get their nose yeah. broken instantly <laughs> yeah yeah but um yeah and it was just a very suspenseful and, and the sound of the door slamming was extra loud just yeah. so you could sit there and be like oh yeah, jump. Yep. No, I see what you're saying. So, so physically, you weren't scared for them physically, but you knew no. that this could put another twist in the story if he did catch them talking. Well, yeah. And if she identifies himself and he runs away, and then all of a sudden they hide the girl, and now they're still investigating him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then is he going to put a hit on the girl and look for the girl, and then is right. they're going to show up dead from a hit? I like. We don't know. But, but it went the other way, which is we'll wait a little bit longer to see how that plays out. And I didn't think it through as much. I just thought, oh no, she's coming out of the bathroom first. Like, I just never, I, I was like, why is she coming out? And we haven't seen Maggie come out. So yeah, I mean, they got me. I just assumed that Maggie was still in there and that he was going to find her. And even after he, you know, didn't see her there, I was like, where is she hiding? Like, I really still thought she was I was thinking she's standing on the stall, but the way he was opening the door is like, it, if, one, yeah. if it was there, if it's locked and you don't see shoes, you don't open, yeah. you know what I mean? There's something I was in like, there. is there a closet in there? So, you know, I was like, she's got to still be in there. And then, but then they show her walking to the car. So she clearly had left the restroom before Tanya, but I just didn't even think about it. You know, they, they, and, they, and why do they good. have somebody watching Soto? Well, hey, listen, he's on his way to the bathroom. Get the hell. That's, <laughs> I mean, no, that's a good, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, I don't know the resources. I, they, they're not going to have as many resources in the, in the, you know, the DA. That's why it gets dangerous. Yeah. So yeah, that, that would have been helpful. Yeah. If someone was, was watching him. So, but it was, it was tense. I, it may not yes. have been as tense for you, but it was tense for me. It, it was, it, it played out really, uh, it, it was entertaining. Oh, they did a good job building yeah, it. Yeah. They yeah. did a great job. Like I said, I, I love this episode as far as writing and directing. It was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So they get this information. They go check out this uh, flower shop, I guess, later that evening. And they see tagging, you know, like, uh, graffiti or whatever gang graffiti on both sides of the shop but the shop doesn't have anything on it so they you know conclude that that means they're that that shop is being controlled by this gang and maggie even knows the who it is by the um by what they're writing on the walls because what you older folks would call a a a crest to represent your family or faction oh yeah yeah that's what the graffiti meant that's their crest on the wall their signature yeah yeah yes that's their shield you know validation identification and then they end up talking to a couple of detectives, Winters and Lopez. And Lopez used to be in Vice and at the Hollywood division. And they are able to 
zone in on a particular um, parolee, Alvin Aquino, that they think they can look into that might be their guy that could have shot the witness. So they, they give them somewhere kind of to start with looking into someone from the flower shop. But one thing I wanted to ask you about or, or mention about this scene, and it goes back to the standing outside the courtroom, Langford keeps making these digs at Mickey. You know, he doesn't like him. You know, he, he's already, you know, he was messed with him at the bar early on in the season. But when he's talking to Maggie about them doing the um, meetup with Tanya later in the day, so they're back at the courthouse and they're talking about doing it. And he's like, yeah, if your ex doesn't screw it up, you know, and it's just that slight dig. But then at the, when they're at the flower shop, he puts this thought in her head saying that Griggs, Detective Griggs has asked him about Mickey. So then she starts worrying about that. What do you think about him always trying to undermine Mickey in front of her? Do um, you think, yeah, just tell me, because there could be a personal grudge, scenarios. personal grudge, personal. That's grudge. it. Okay. It's a personal grudge. He, um, he doesn't like the, he, probably, I, he lost against yeah. Mickey, right? Mm-hmm. So he doesn't like that. He lost, you know, all these, you know, guys think they're macho, some of them, and they don't like taking defeats, but um, he's, he knows what he's doing. He plays the information exchange game later with, when he tells um, Maggie about Griggs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Um, and how he knows, Grig, you know, the guy, the, um, yeah, he knows Griggs. Griggs like from the past and, and that, you know, if Griggs is digging, there's mm, something yeah. there to be, he knows there's most likely something there to find. And right. or if there is, he'll find it. Um, so tell Mickey, give him a heads up. Like if he's doing any dirt, you know, stay clean because, you know, someone's watching. Yeah. Um, but that to me wasn't necessarily a friend or a partner looking out for another friend or another partner. I feel like that was an information exchange. That was business. Okay. Because, um, yeah, he wants, he needs Maggie focused and not going up against him. She needs, he needs her on his side at that moment. Mm-hmm. So he's going to give her a piece of information to have her trust him a little bit more. Yeah, so when he like says, the, go, like he has, yeah, the upper hand. And then he says, something. go pursue this DeSoto thing. Now she's like, okay, well, you know what? This guy, you know, is a good, you know, let me, let me help him a little bit more. Let me put a little bit extra effort into mm-hmm. it's to me. It was a little more um, psychology involved in it, but I okay. also overanalyze everything because. So you see a grudge, I I, yeah. you see a grudge. Against I, see, I definitely grudge the way he undermines him. I'm um, jealousy and some, a grudge. And, and then some psychology maybe with Maggie at to the, keep her that, to that move. Yeah. And that's him. just, yeah. That's just to keep her on because, you know, you can only dig at the person's friends so much before the mm-hmm. person kind of looks at you a certain way. And then you have to like your coworkers at least or at least feel like you could trust your coworker, yeah. especially in this business. And like I said, it all goes back to when she was in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. She trusted him that if something happened, he was going to come in. And I feel like he would because yeah. he doesn't seem to do his job pretty well. Yeah. yeah. But I'm waiting for the gray area. Yeah. We haven't well, did it ever it Did it ever cross your mind that he... Have you ever thought he might be interested in her, Langford interested in her romantically? Like um, putting down the ex to kind of. Yes, I, th- I thought about that too. But in episode seven, and she's already have the prosecutor, you know, courting her. Mm-hmm. And she's already talking back with Mickey. I feel like they've been like, I don't know, the way they talk, I feel like her and Mickey have the best shot of actually reconciling the way she's Maybe. like, oh, well, you'll be seeing a lot of this later, or blah, blah, blah. Um, just the way it's building up. Episode yeah. seven. I don't see I don't see Langford taking his shot. Like I said, the prosecutor has already taken his shot. Mickey's trying to get back in the good graces. So I yes, 
I see how people could have taken it that way because that's normally what happens mm-hmm. when you like somebody. You know, sometimes a guy doesn't know how to, you know, so he tries to undermine the ex or the other guy in the mm-hmm. girl's life to try to, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I don't see that here. I think Langford is just business. This is okay. all about okay. doing his job and getting his collar. And DeSoto's a big fish. Yeah, yeah. So let's I, get I agree. Him. I agree at this point in the season because, yeah, early on I thought maybe he kind of like her and is just trying to badmouth Mickey. And then he still keeps making these digs, but I think it, I think it's more the psychology aspect that you talked about. He would have asked her out already yeah. Yeah. in episode seven. There's, yeah. You know, the, that's the prosecutor's, um, what's that guy's name? Gold, Golan, 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 yeah. So, um, Jeff, we couldn't decide whether to call him Jeff or Donald on the last podcast. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. He seems like a Donald. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, no, he's already taken his shot. So I don't see the writers clogging up a, a love, you know, not even a triangle, love square. I don't see, I don't yeah. see it developing like okay. that. You okay. have a little triangle going on. So, well, uh, just one more thing to touch on, I guess, is we didn't talk about how Mickey switched cars on day one of the trial. Uh, here's some, some more stuff with Izzy. He um, gets a phone call from Griggs talking again about the bribe juror. And he's like, oh, I don't think that's going to be a problem. He's kind of like just dismissing it. Yeah. And he, you know, he knows the bug is still in there. He he believes that Sergei Kosovich is listening to him and that Cisco has found out, you know, even more horrible things about him. So he's like, we can't keep using this car. So he, you know, fakes a problem with the car. He pulls out a tube or something. I don't know cars, but yeah. he pulls out something so it won't work. But Izzy doesn't know what's going on. And he gets back in and can, continues to talk. And, you know, let's go. And she starts the car and or tries to start the car and it doesn't start. And so he's, you know, basically telling through the bug, oh, this car doesn't work anymore. But she doesn't understand yeah. why. She's like, what, you know, what's going on? He just kind of mouths to her, just say no, just keep going with it. So she runs with it so that they have, you know, this reason to switch cars. They use her car and then they end up switching to another Lincoln later. But she's kind of in the dark, but she's loyal. She just goes with him. But then towards the end of the episode when Mickey goes to the road saints club and talks to Teddy over the grill. when he's like, when he comes out of talking, he asks Teddy for a favor and there's a little bit of back and forth with them. And he's like, you don't, you know, usually people don't want to owe me a lot of favors. You know, you already owe me for Cisco. So we get a little more Intel about how Mickey is sort of working with and, you know, for the road saints to sort of forgive this debt that um, Cisco has for leaving the motorcycle club. We found out at the end of the episode, what he really was the favor was for, but when he comes back to the car after talking to Ted, Izzy's really suspicious. Yeah. She thinks that he's been, you know, making a drug deal with him. So he says, no, 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 that's not it. And then, you know, as they drive off, he's going to explain the car thing and everything to her. But what are your thoughts on, that issue with Izzy, like being protective. I would say she's being protective of him. I I don't think she's being too um, intrusive or nosy. I think she's a drug addict. He's a drug addict, you know, both recovering, but I think she's just looking out for him. Do you, do you agree? Do you feel like that was appropriate of her or or not? She trusts him. Yeah. She trusts him. Cause even when the thing with the car and she was confused, he kind of mm-hmm. told her just go with it. And she went with it. And then he explained it later. They, they have a different trust because they both have a history. Yeah. And they, yeah, they know, I mean, 
So all people so lie, like, but they know about and, the way. And this isn't the first time she came to babysit him because you remember she brought up him being at the bar the time before that when he was talking to somebody else without yeah. even drinking. Yeah. And then she found him the one time at the bar when he was about to have a drink. Or she thought he so was. This, he said he, yeah, he thought he was. But that's what I'm saying. This is this it is looked not like it, a, was. this is not, it wasn't the first time this happened. She's been about this the whole time. I think yeah. they got a whole sponsor slash friend thing going on. We'll get through this together. Mm-hmm. I got your back. You got my back. You know, you yeah. kept me out of jail. You know, you got me a job. I mean, he's so, got a lot going on. He's trying to deal with the case. <laughs> and then, you know, the stuff with Tanya Cruz helping her for you know with maggie and so forth so i mean it could be easy to be like no you know just stop worrying about me kind of thing but he's cool with it you know he he seems to appreciate the concern That's what I'm, yeah and yeah. it's not like she's you know she, he understands not over barren yeah. yeah i think it was justified yeah okay all right so we're on the same page there so we do see at the end of the episode that mickey um maggie's talking on the phone to mickey asking about has griggs told you any more about the case she's probing yeah. to see about what langford told her about Griggs asking about Mickey, but all that to see for us to see that Mickey's actually driving by her house. We can see her through the window and then he drives on and there's a couple of the road saints there watching Maggie's house. So that yes. was the favor, you know, the favor. And they the- showed you that on purpose. That yeah, was the whole yeah. point of them yeah. showing you that, that they were exactly. doing their part and he was driving past and blah, right. blah, blah. So that, yeah, that was the favor and they are looking out for her so yeah he's i mean like always mickey's got a lot of balls in the air he's trying to protect them he's trying to defend his client he's trying to and they have no clue Bruce. yeah oh yeah so he's yeah. doing all these he's doing all these selfless things and not getting credit for any of it right yeah now. that's a good point that is a good point you're right you're right he's not getting any of the glory for trying to to take care of them so yeah it's interesting that you brought that up so do you have we, we went through some different questions which is kind of a cross-examination with each other can you tell me your person of interest for this episode who really stood out to you made a big difference just made a big impression on you <sighs> it's a it's good hard. one um it is hard for this episode uh i'm gonna i'm gonna take the easy way out i'm gonna say mickey sure. um it was like i said he sold himself this episode and if you never saw the show and you're trying to show your friend or your friend never saw the show and you want to show him to watch it, I suggest episode seven. Um, Mickey sells himself great. The stories, everything ties up. They show you a little bit of every ball in the air and kind of explain everything, right? So where I come from, episodes eight, nine, and ten, we are going to be speeding through, mm-hmm. plowing through with nonstop action because we've got a call going on. You know, and like you said, Mickey's got so many balls in the air, his hands basically in everything. So, yeah, I would say Mickey's my um, game changer, person of interest, whatever you want to call it. Okay. okay. MVP. It's, it's his, this was his episode, The Shine, and he did a great job. Yeah, he did, for sure. Well, I'm going to go with Cisco just for a variety of reasons. He just had a big impact on this episode. And you also have this dynamic that you kind of referred to it as, is he completely out of the motorcycle club? Like, what will he do for Mickey? Is he in this old life still a little bit? Or completely did Mickey in pay the new? back it? Like, if if Mickey if Mickey's paying for him like a lease or a finance, <laughs> you know, what I'm saying, how long yeah. before he's paid in full and they can't right. come and repossess Cisco? <laughs> yeah. And they- also, why are we talking about anybody like they're an object for sale? Well, true, true. Yeah, he's trying to cover this this debt for him leaving because you know apparently you can't just leave. 
uh, the club. I don't, but, I don't get that, but that's a, that's a podcast, yeah, yeah. different podcast. We could yeah. discuss that all we want. This is TV people. So <laughs> therefore, yes, in TV, Cisco must've been sold for a price to Mickey on TV, imaginary right. TV. Yeah. And so we, we, we're just, this, yeah, we're going, we're going with it. We don't agree with it as for real life circumstances, but for TV, me and Tracy are on board. <laughs> but just his role was kind of just threaded throughout the episode because you've got him looking up, finding information for Mickey, which is helpful to Mickey for Mickey to try to do the right thing. But yet he really is, is, you know, illegally, you know, investigating this juror and, you know, he's doing stuff that he shouldn't be doing, but he's trying to do it for a good reason. So you've got this whole like moral dilemma there. And then you've got him saying things like you mentioned, you know, who, breaking legs and things like that so it's like are you completely out of that game you've got those elements and then you've got that element of the the debt we were kind of talking about when he's talking to ted and you know he's asking a favor even though he's supposed to be doing favors for them for cisco so he just you know the idea of cisco the role of cisco just keeps popping up throughout the episode in a variety of of ways so I, that's why I picked him. It, it, but it really was hard to pick one person out of this episode because there were like some distinct storylines going on. Like, do you talk? Yes. Do you pick someone from the Maggie Langford DeSoto thing, or do you pick someone from the trial? Or you know, yeah, just a lot going on. So I think those are good choices. Good choices. So do you have some trivia for me? And please don't let it be a phone number or a license plate. Give give me a shot here, man. Okay, so it's not a phone number license plate, but I still think you're not going to get it right because it's similar. Um, all right, simple. Uh, Teddy, when he's yeah. talking to Teddy, when he's cooking the steak, mm-hmm. he has this, you know, he has his uniform on. Mm-hmm. And on the chest area where it normally identifies you and where you're from, like, you know, military patches or police badges, mm-hmm. he's got some writing on his uh, patches that have r- r- words written on his shirt. So my question for you is, what does the left side say? The left side. Does it does it say president? That's the right side. That's the right. Oh, looking at him or his right side. See, you threw me. Okay, so so <laughs> the question is the side that's not the president's side. What does it say? <laughs> oh man, I mean, I would think it was just be like the Road Saints logo or something, but that'd be too easy. That, that would be the back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you're, you're close. You're getting everything around it, Tracy. Uh, charter member i don't know <laughs> it says um san francisco valley original <gasps> bonus follow-up on okay. the top of his shoulder there's a number patch. yeah i know that one one percent which one there you go boom yeah, okay you got yeah. you got the bonus follow-up tracy yeah we, we've talked about that how the one percent alludes to them claiming that they are not with the American Motorcycle Association or whatever, say yes. that 99% <laughs> are, are doing good things, having fun, but and they're selling and they're selling people services for retainer. <laughs> yeah, that this is the 1%. This is a different kind of motorcycle club. Yeah, this is a different so, group. Yeah. So yeah, okay, I got one. I got one. There we go. Yeah, we're good. I have to get one every once in a while or I just start to feel that's why I try to make it. I thought I, I thought you might have um been able to see the patch. I, I, I remember I, I remember reading that now. I just I Yeah, I said the, the San Francisco Valley and then mm-hmm. underneath was said original. And mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty simple. Yeah. Did you, you know, know it was, that it was exposed? Did you know that the character the actor, Chris Browning, who plays Ted, was also in another motorcycle club on another show? Wild so Hogs. 
Sons of Anarchy. He was in Sons of Anarchy. No, (laughs) no, I don't think so. But he was in Sons of Anarchy. Anything else you want to talk about this episode, Pete? They did a good job. The whole the whole episode, A plus for me. Um, still, jury selection was my favorite episode of the whole series, but this is a close second. Okay, okay, it was a good one. Yeah, some, some good stuff. All right, we'll be back with episode eight and find out what happens now that juror number seven is gone. Ooh. What's next for Trevor Elliott? All right, thanks for hanging with me tonight and talking about episode seven. We'll be back later definitely stay tuned because we have more show notes from showrunner ted humphrey to talk about specifically about this episode so that'll be up next but that's it for us for now good night everybody see ya bye bye hey there how are you i'm doing well thank you thanks for coming on for this let's talk a little bit about the anonymous note in episode seven uh that was a way for mickey to stop that crime from the yes. deliberate happening deliberation was that completely legal that's a good question i mean that's in the book um mm-hmm. yeah again yes it's legal it would get him well it wouldn't get him disbarred because he's actually doing what he needs to do which is alerting the court to an ongoing fraud i mean technically he has to do that technically mm-hmm. it would be illegal for him to not do that right that supersedes attorney-client privilege. Okay. It's mm-hmm. just that by doing that, he believes at that moment he could potentially get himself killed, which mm-hmm. is why he has to do it anonymously and try and right, thread right. this needle where it doesn't look like he did it. You know? yeah. yeah. Or at least there's a fig leaf that he didn't do it. You know? Right, right. Okay, okay, interesting. Now he's uh, getting some protection from the road saints. He's also doing some work for them. They're not happy that he pulled Cisco away. You know, there's a lot, a lot of story going on there. But when he's around them, Surely he hears about, I would think, about some crimes that may have happened or going to happen. How does that, what's the lawyer's responsibility in that? Like he's helping the hard case Casey with his, you know, parole violation um, situation. So is it, is it only if it relates to the case you're working on? I mean, anybody could hear anything at any time, I guess. And the, you know, you would want to stop something, but what are the legalities if, well, it, the, the specific legality is this. Uh, I mean, first of all, I want to clarify the road saints aren't unhappy with Mickey for pulling Cisco away. They're unhappy with Cisco for leaving. And th- this is all based on okay. real, yeah. real stuff that um, motorcycle clubs like that, I use the word club loosely, you know, because it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, you know, it's not, it's not a social club. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> it's not, uh, as he says, it's not a social club. It's, this is not law abiding people riding their motorcycle on Sunday afternoon. This is right, right. A, a gang that's selling meth and stuff, right? Yeah, but yeah. You don't, um, as he says, you don't just walk away whenever you want to. There's, there's a rule, there are rules that go along with that, that, you know, at a minimum, it's probably a beat down, but it could be like get out of town or you're, you're shot on site or something, right? Okay. And so the whole thing with, and, you know, so the character of Cisco is actually based on a real guy. The idea is that Cisco left and Mickey not wanting something bad to happen to Cisco kind of made this deal almost behind Cisco's back a little bit to provide some free legal services in return for them leaving. Okay. Okay. And now Cisco doesn't like that. And so Cisco has said to Teddy Bogle, well, I pay my own debts. And so now right. we find out what that entails. You know? Okay. Okay. Um, as far as what the lawyer hears, I mean, the law is really clear. When you're representing a client, they're allowed to, you know, the whole basis of the attorney client relationship is that they're they're allowed and and need to be able to tell you anything right right so if you represent 
a person charged with murder or charged with anything and they say i murdered 25 people you cannot tell anybody that right they've told you that in confidence and that's the thing if they tell you i'm going to murder 25 more people Mm -hmm. you still arguably can't tell them that unless they're somehow using you to do it right it's that that's the real thing is when if you're going to commit a crime and you're going to use the lawyer's services to do it that's when the lawyer must report okay okay so it you know that gets into a gray area what you hear about what's happening going forward and that's why you know most lawyers who represent criminals on an ongoing basis are very careful to tell them keep your business to yourself don't i don't want to know Please, yeah, please be careful with what you say. And, mm-hmm. you know, but they also probably adopt. I'm sure they adopt the, you know, see no evil, hear no evil kind of thing mm-hmm. when it comes to ongoing things, unless again, it's something that they just absolutely have to report. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, feels very scary. It's fine, to me. It's, it, well, it's, it is scary. <laughs> and it's a fine line. So Jerry Shargell, famous criminal defense lawyer in New York who represented John Gotti and and some other mobsters like that, you know, got uh, prosecuted for being what they called house counsel to the mafia, right? So it's a fine line between being a lawyer who represents criminals and being considered by the authorities to be some sort of criminal yourself. And usually it's, it's the, the dividing line is, are you helping, are you representing your clients and helping them get off for crimes they've committed? That's okay. That's your job. Mm-hmm. Are you helping them in some way plan future crimes? That's okay. not okay, right? right. Like if right. you are in any way participating or arguably participating in advising them in how to best pull off crimes in the future, that's not okay, right? So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good night, everybody.